0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all the others. We are also on the Dash Radio app. So download that for free. Search for Nothing But Net. That's every single day at 7 p.m. Also, check out 5 Spell it out, F-I-V-E, reasonsports.com. A no-paywall site with all the latest South Florida sports news, including the latest takeaways from Brady Hawk and our YouTube channel, Going to inch over eleven thousand subscribers this week, so make sure you subscribe. We've got new shows there, and of course, we've got all of our heat streams before floor. We've got the post game show with Royal Shepherd. We've got Clutch Corner, which goes once a week, and we've got Floor's Yours, which just aired last night. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five reason Sports Network. So many of our sponsors are local; they're big Miami. Sports fans, including our friend Mark over at you Break Wheel Fix, which is a wheel repair and refinishing company located in North Miami. With 15 years of experience, you can fix your bent or cracked wheels that are damaged on the streets of South Florida. They've got fast turnaround times on most repairs. They even offer the loaner wheels while they fix or refinish your wheels so you can keep your car on the road without interruption. If your wheels are faded or peeling... U Brake Wheel Fix offers complete refinishing back to factory standards. If you're bored with the look of your wheels, U Brake Wheel Fix offers over. 5,000 different finishes, including the vice colors to customize the look of those wheels. So don't spend money on new wheels when you can renew them at Ubrake Wheel Fix. Break Wheel Fix offers a full line of custom wheels and tires for every vehicle application. We offer in-house repair and complete vehicle customization. So call Ubrake Wheel Fix today at 305-748-0112. That's 305-748-0112 or online at Ubrake. Wheel, W H E E L Fix.com. They can also be found with that exact handle on Google, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or Yelp. And here's the big thing you mention five reasons, you get 15% off whatever you do there, the repairs, the refinishes, the vice colors, 15% off by mentioning Five Reason Sports. And now, tonight's
1: episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Silvander, part of the 5 Reasons Sports Network.
2: Welcome back to 5 on the Floor. I am your host, Greg Sylvander. Uh, with me for tonight's or today's episode, depending on when you're listening to this, is uh, my co-host, Alex Toledo. You can follow him on Twitter at Tropical Blanket. Uh, Of course, you can find me at Greg Sylvander. No Ethan Skolnick, he has the night off. Um, We are here uh, on the heels of Miami's 103-93 victory in New Orleans to close out the first half of the season and head into this um, mini All-Star break. Uh, The performance was capped off by um, a pretty spectacular Jimmy Butler game, which I think we're going to get into Jimmy Butler a little bit more in depth as we get into the episode. But um, overall, they finished with a victory. Uh, this was one that, uh, you know, coming off of that loss to Atlanta, I think, like, the fan base collectively felt a little bit like they were walking on eggshells going into this game. Uh, they wanted to get a victory, you get a feel-good moment before you catch your breath for the second half. Alex, um, what were your takeaways from, from tonight just generally before we dive into it a little bit more in depth?
1: Well, it's funny like looking through what happened tonight between the two teams and kind of they were even with three-pointers made almost almost even in rebounding almost even in turnovers. So I thought it was and you know considering the fact that the Heat were pretty much in control for most of the game and other than that, you know those couple runs that the Pelicans had where they brought where they brought it back down to like four points or whatever it was, like the Heat were really in control despite all of these different uh team statistics being so even. So I think that's pretty impressive and especially, you know, without Bam there. I know the Pelicans didn't have Zion, but we've seen how fractured this team can be when it's missing one of their best players and for them to put together that type of performance, by the way, against the streaking Pelicans, like they've been pretty hot as of late. Again, without Zion, I know, but I'm pretty encouraged by it all just because I think you saw a great team effort on both ends of the floor. I thought that, you know, there was a lot of zone, a lot of different uh, coverages once again, and like, I thought they executed it really well. I, I thought there wasn't, there weren't a lot of mistakes. I thought, you know like I didn't see a lot of guys getting blown by on the drive and I know that's kind of what a zone is for is to disrupt that rhythm at the top but overall like it's just more of the same when it comes to the defensive side they're just really connected on that end despite the lack of defensive players that they have especially again without bam on the floor that you got two guys who you consider good defensive players with Jimmy Butler and Andre Waddell and the rest of them are just kind of average and you know whether you want to call it below average or not I think it's really impressive that the heat could continue to string together such like impressive defensive games
2: no and I'm glad you actually said without bam out of bio because when you talk about the defense tonight I mean to hold New Orleans to 39% shooting 25% from three uh New Orleans was 11 of 43 from the from the three-point line tonight Um, And, uh, you know, to keep the rebounding as close to even as possible. There were a lot of moments, um, you know, where uh, there were some uh, second chance opportunities by by New Orleans that got a little hairy. But overall, you're you're kind of you're keeping New Orleans at bay from a offensive perspective. You kept uh, you took care of the ball, only 10 turnovers. And I think like this is another reflection of you see. When you have Jimmy and Goran both there, that um, a lot of that stuff starts to clean itself up. Iguadala had a hell of a fourth quarter, so I want to make sure we get it. We unpack his game a little bit here. But um,
1: one more but- thing, not to cut you off, but. You know, I was talking before about how they're so even and all these other stats, and you were talking about how they forced the Pelicans into such a bad shooting night from three. And, you know, like I said, they're pretty much even in three-pointers made, but the Pelicans did take more field goals and more threes by a significant amount. So that is also a recurring th- a recurring theme that the Heat are taking less shots than other teams. And despite that, again, control of the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, 10, 10 more field goal attempts at the basket New Orleans got, and 13 that was Zion. on
1: like i don't even understand right? it to be honest. i know
2: and, and without steven adams having like 25 rebounds and then also um you know they got 13 additional three-point attempts and usually the way the analytics works out and uh you know it's this is deep in the metrics and the excel spreadsheets that i only log into pivot tables and that kind of stuff during the day um like it, it's uh it it's I don't know, even know where I was going with that. See, this is a late podcast here, so let 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 me just immediately pivot it back to where I wanted to um, initially go. Was this, um, and we're going to touch on on a number of players, but I want to start here because this we brought up Jimmy first. He was magnificent. I mean, like you look at his box score. I think he was in, in control of the game pretty much start to finish. Um, you know, there were moments here and there where other guys were chipping in, but for the most part, you know, 10 to 14, uh, got to the line nine times, made eight of them, uh, nine assists, three turnovers, three steals, three rebounds, 29 points. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a great Jimmy Butler performance. We continue to see him play so well, uh, coming out of the break and, um, I guess where I want to go with this, and I th- this is where uh, the the we're gonna we're gonna zig and zag a little bit more than Ethan does when he's when he's directing traffic here. But do you think like that we're we're reaching a point where this team is almost like relying on Jimmy too much? Have we got there yet?
1: I think that's more than fair to say, and I think that's kind of something we've seen when you talk about like you guys talked about earlier this week, the team with and without them. It just, it's so obvious that without Jimmy Butler, like it's just such a huge puzzle piece to be missing. And they just don't have enough of an inside out balance without him. And I think he's the most important piece to the puzzle as far as like a guy who you, you know, I think you take out Jimmy and that's the most impactful loss. And maybe that's, you know, not a crazy thing to say. You know, that you're worse without your best player. Maybe that's pretty obvious. But, <laughs> like, it's just so different when Jimmy's off than versus when ba- when Bam's off. And, obviously, Bam is super important to everything they do on both ends. But Jimmy is the calming presence. Jimmy's the guy who can get to the free throw line whenever, who can guard multiple positions, always always rotates to the right place, and, like, knows how to slow down the game to his pace whenever he wants when he feels that the team is kind of giving up a lead or when he needs to close the game like we saw tonight like he is the most calming presence there is and I think it has an effect on the rest of the team especially when they're out there on the floor and they just need that kind of boost of energy because I feel like that's been a problem throughout the whole uh, season is kind of they can't sustain that high level of energy high level of execution that they I feel like we know that they can for throughout the whole game and I think like what's become evident is they're doing it on defense and not on offense. And Jimmy is the one guy kind of carrying them on the offensive end, even though they have so many weapons, so many shooters and spacers, and they're kind of, they have these complex sets. Jimmy is the guy who slows them down. Jimmy is the guy who makes them, you know, a contender.
2: Yeah, no. And it's like, talk about head of the snake. Jimmy is like the, the prototypical that in Miami right now. And it's just, I, I start to think about, balance and things like that and just um, how much can you really uh, put on Jimmy's shoulders all throughout this entire regular season and then as you head into the postseason so something to watch for Um, before we go to break uh, I want to um, call out the performance of Andre Iguodala because we're not going to spend a ton of time here because um, you know the stat line doesn't jump off the page but before we go to break I just want to acknowledge how well he played in the fourth quarter. I think he scored eight of his 10 in the fourth, if I'm not mistaken. So he he was a huge um, factor for them. So I want to uh, definitely give him a shout out, but also eight total to free say, throw attempts. What's that now? Oh yeah. yeah eight, eight free throw attempts. Yeah. Eight free throw attempts. How does Iguodala get eight free throw attempts? He I got hacked but, there a couple
1: of yeah. times at the end. They were trying to get him to shoot those free throws, a smart move by the Pelicans, but. I mean, no, you're right, though. Iguodala is giving you a little bit of everything. And I feel like every time, like, somebody, uh, like, they're missing a piece, he kind of steps up. And I think that's what you're hoping for in the playoffs. And, again, I think that's why, like, not to circle back to the trade talk, but maybe that's why you want to add another four. It's just kind of you want Iguodala to be fresh and ready for the playoffs and, you know, not giving you a ton of minutes down during the regular season. He played 23 tonight. I think, like, you know, you traded – you added another four in there, get him into, like, a 15, 17-minute-per-game role – that would be great because I want to see more of this Iguadala, especially when it matters most, you know?
2: Yeah, because, I mean, he's up uh, last year. Uh, it looks like, if I'm reading this correctly, uh, he played somewhere in the neighborhood of of 20 minutes a game. So you're going to want to keep him somewhere in the neighborhood of that. But it's just the games played and the amount of, of lifting that he's had to do to this point that I just think is worth mon- continuing to monitor as we go forward just with his age. Uh, We will talk a little bit more about a couple other players who um, are uh, inconsistent. Uh, Alex alluded to, you know, the consistency with Jimmy, we're going to talk about some of the inconsistencies elsewhere, right after this uh, word from our sponsors.
0: We'll get back to the episode here in a second but before we do I want to tell you about two of the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network one of them you know well it's prizepicks.com just use the code five this is the new way to play daily fantasy you can mix up your sports they've got like all kinds of crazy sports on there even like highlight if you know that well we've got our guy austin playing soccer picks on there you can make us mix a soccer player with an nba player you just got to go over or under their projections whether it's single stat or whether it's a fantasy score and then you can decide if you want to go all in or you want to hedge a little bit with all the different options that they have. So again, this is the new way to play daily fantasy. we got more than 60 people signed up last month, just using our code five. Why are they using it? Cause you get a big bonus when you do it. So use the code F I V E F I V E and try what we think is the best fantasy game out there going right now, which is prizepicks.com. Also want to tell you about another other really great great of the five reasons sports network, and that's chase signs and graphics. This one, of course, a little bit more local right here. In Broward County, they service all the way from Deerfield down to Miramar, so the entire county. Uh, They've got more than a decade of experience here in South Florida as well. If you need professional signage to help your business organization sign out, uh, stand out, excuse me, but with some signs, call at 954-257-1828. That's 954-257-1828. You can follow them on Twitter at Signs. Broward, again, they've got more than 15 years of experience designing, building, and installing signs. They're an end-to-end solution for all your signage needs, providing everything from graphic design to production to installation. They offer custom products, including building signs, banners, vehicle graphics, lobby signs, indoor signs, monument signs, and more. And they'll have an estimate ready for you after they schedule a site visit within 48 hours. So don't trust just anyone with signs and graphics. Call the experts, 954 257 18 28 now back to the episode
2: okay welcome back on five on the floor so uh coming off the heels of this 103 93 victory over the New Orleans Pelicans Miami is now 18 and 18 they head into the break at the 500 mark uh if my memory serves me correct I believe 500 right I'm not um they're not a game below right yeah it's late sorry cool 500 so I, I I don't know how the standings shake out yet because I haven't seen who lost and, and the implications of all that, but they've got to be in somewhere hovering in that four to five range. Right. Um, So, so that's, that, that, that's a good thing. Before we talk about like the, the second half of the season and what we consider a success, because that's where I want to end today. Uh, let's talk about the most. Um, I don't know if bipolar is the right word, but what It's just unbelievable to see the difference between good Kelly and bad Kelly and when Kelly has it going what it does for the team, and I know that a lot of the advanced metrics actually say that when Kelly doesn't have it going it's still good for the team, but tonight I mean to be seven of eight from the field 10 rebounds seven assists only three turnovers score 18 points. This is like what you, I mean, like when we talk about what you want next to Bam, it's like this Kelly, but you you don't get this Kelly every night. And I, um, so one, I guess, Alex, I, I'm interested to hear uh, about what you thought about O'Linux performance tonight, but also, um, like when you see him play like this, uh. Isn't it all the more the reinforcement that they got to go get a guy that could do this every single night and not someone who's only a part time player that does it this way?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And look, Kelly was awesome tonight. This is one of the best games we've seen from him in, in a minute. Like he put it all together tonight. And I think the one thing that's sustainable about it is him being able to be just, you know, abusing deep drop bigs. And that that was something that kept happening tonight because Steven Adams is always somebody who is going to drop all the way back on a pick and roll. So you just run, you run a screen uh, with Kelly there who who was matched up with Adams and Adams is just going to stick so far back there that you run the pick and pop and Kelly's going to be wide open. He got hot there in the beginning off of that. He found his rhythm and you know, like the beginning of a game like that, just catching a rhythm early on, that makes all the difference. I feel like, especially for somebody like Kelly who um, we, you know, we talked about this in other episodes who like in Gonzaga in high school, I'm sure it was a guy who had the offense run around through him playing down on the block. And I know he's always been able to shoot, but playing next to Bam, he's pretty much been a spacing big. That's been his role. And so I think maybe that's not a role. I mean, he's gotten used to it over the years, but actually hitting those shots early on, I'm sure it does something for your confidence as a shooter who didn't grow up as necessarily as a spot up shooter. Right. It's true. Yeah. And so maybe I'm digging deep too deep into the psychology uh, aspect of it all, but like Kelly is somebody who can do this to a lot of different bigs who who just drop back into the paint. If you want to talk about other Eastern Conference teams who have bigs like that, you look at the Bucs and the Nets with DeAndre and Brooke Lopez. Obviously Lopez is a, you know, much higher level defender than than DeAndre is in that role right now, but there are bigs like that all around the league who, you know, Kelly will be able to find openings with running pick and pops. And that was evident tonight. you I mean, you got him going. And then they, he started getting going on the move and getting down, you know, to the rim. And when, when Kelly gets his confidence like that, he's a different player, man.
2: No. And that, we saw it in the finals too. Like he came out and played and he, he was as good as we could have expected. And so he has those moments. And it's, I think that the, the heat are going to have to find a balance between um how they improve the roster like I guess I keep coming back to this and we're not going to go far off into trade land I promise everyone because there's going to be a lot of talk about that in the next month or so as we gear up for March 25th when the deadline approaches but um like you just when you see Olenek play like this um I don't know that they're going to be able to find a player without like, Olenek is providing so much of a key role. And so is Iguodala. And those were supposed to be your big expirings that you're going to like throw into a trade to get a big name player. I think it just presents an interesting conundrum that they're in where the players that they thought were going to be salary filler to some degree are ending up becoming such big key contributors, um, Alex, do you think that like the Mo Harkless, Myers Leonard stuff is realistic to go get anybody or are they going to actually have to part with one of these guys that's part of the regular rotation?
1: It's a really interesting question. And I think you and me are both set and, and, you know, ideally I would like to keep Kelly and Andre and it relates to what you're, what we were talking about before with Andre too, like the, both of them, you want them in a lesser role, helping out the team, you know, from the bench and maybe, you know, Let's say they were to trade for a four. I don't know that they will be. uh They would just go right back to bringing Kelly off the bench. But I just mean, you know, once the playoffs get started, you'll probably rely on that four more, it's just like they did with Crowder. And I think that's kind of the ideal place. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your
0: day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game. I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited. flexible and suited to your schedule just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge so learn to make time for what makes you happy with better help visit betterhelp.com slash miami heat today to get 10% off your first month again that's BetterHelp help com slash miami heat
1: for both Iguadala and Kelly to get the most out of them and not to have to, you know, rely on them so much. And I think that's the overarching theme here. And, like, they can step up when needed, but I still think they're short one guy there at that four spot. And, look, you saw what happened last year in the bubble. Kelly, he got less playing time. Iguadala got more playing time. And I think, you know, we saw Crowder starting. Maybe Spoh thinks that Bam is just – You know, when they're when it's winning time, Bam is a five and you need to have reliable fours there to help you out. And and it's going to be really important because although the perimeter defense hasn't been as much of a talking point because their overall defense has been so good. That's still going to be a problem in the playoffs versus some of the best players Like you need to have that perimeter defense locked the hell down. And I know Kelly's done a good job in that starting lineup, but it's almost the same thing as Myers. Kelly's obviously a better player than Myers. And I think that's why you want to add to this core without trading them. I, I know that it took, you know, a minute for me to get to that point here, but I just don't know how realistic it is to trade Myers and Mo without having to also give up like a first or precious or something like that. But
2: yeah. And I, I think you that's come up with a deal, like go. for
1: one of these guys that we've talked about, like a Rudy Gay or a taddy Young, if, if you're just giving those two contracts, what would you throw in there as a sweetener? I think that that's kind of the, cause I, it's going to have to be a sweetener in there.
2: Yeah, no. And it, it's one of the young guys you just, you just talked about. It's Dunn, never, I guess we thrown in there. Yeah. I mean, whatever kind of picks they could do, um, but uh, you're right. I mean, like, cause like Kendrick Nunn is not going to get, just get thrown into a deal at this point like that. That's not where we are. So you're right. It's like which one of those young players would entice somebody to take on the um, the one year kind of non-functional deals of Mo Harkless and Myers Leonard, but we're going to save trade talk for another episode. Cause we could go down that rabbit hole and this could end up being coming in hour long episode. Um, I, I want to uh, close kind of on um on a note of two players that were talked about on onside radio by our host, Ethan Skolnick. Um, and he talked about Lonzo Ball and Tyler Hero. And if, I, if my memory serves me correct, and a listener told me that this happened, so uh, I hope I'm not like uh, following fake information here, but uh, Ethan said that he would trade Tyler Hero for Lonzo Ball. As I looked at them both tonight, neither of them played well. Tyler Hero did not have a bounce-back game, and that was something I was hoping for. He was one of six from the field in 27 minutes, um, and 0 of two from three, only had two points. Lonzo Ball, 4 of 16 from the field, 2 of 11 from three. I want to highlight that because he's shooting 46% in 15 games in the month of um, February from three.
1: And around 38% for the season on a good amount of attempts, like six, yeah. seven attempts a game. So he had a horrible night from three. He shouldn't be taking that many shots. A so, of ball needs to be a, a role player, not a guy taking 16 shots. I think.
2: Yeah, no, they, they definitely have him cast in a role where he's doing a little bit too much. I agree with you there. And Zion's um,
1: the most important part of their offense. So that's not something that can be, you know, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Like they've, they've been so much hotter as of late because of that turn where it's like Zion is the biggest part of their offense and Ingram is right there behind him and Zion and even without Zion they were able to get to the rim a lot more and get more attempts off than the heat but it, they really are just missing a whole lot when he's not on the floor like Lonzo is not somebody who can consistently attack the rim or consistently i think make enough threes without the star players there kind of making it easy for him similar to a Kendrick Nunn and by the way Nunn and Hero both struggled tonight uh you know, not really worried about that, but that's also something that happened. But yeah, like I feel I would not trade Tyler Hero for Lonzo Ball. There's Thank no you. way. Neither I would I like no I way. wouldn't even think
2: about it. Like I like Lonzo a lot. I think he'll
1: be a really nice fit for this team actually. But for sure. It's I don't I don't see a realistic deal there because I there's just no way I'm trading hero for Lonzo. I'm not cashing in the hero asset for Lonzo Ball.
2: No, I agree. I'm with you there. And uh when I look at this uh, New Orleans box score. Ha ha. Um, uh, you see like, uh, Alexander Walker off that bench, uh, a guy we talked about at draft time. We got to see a little bit of him tonight. Kyra Lewis jr. Uh, you just see these point guards that they have there. Er Eric Bledsoe obviously is playing alongside Lonzo ball right now. I just, I don't think that they're committed to Lonzo ball long term. So I think he could be had. It's just a matter of what does he do? Where does he fit? And what do you have to give up? And I'm not giving up Tyler Hero for him. But I just wanted to at least um, acknowledge that both those guys didn't have great shooting nights. And um, I would rather have Tyler Hero. So we get that on the books. I don't think I give
1: up Duncan for him either.
2: Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know if I would either. Because I guess you're trading Lonzo knowing that you're extending him. And you're probably extending him at somewhere in the range of $20 million a year, right? I mean, he's probably gonna get something like
1: that i think Am he's I, gonna get below that i think he he would be anywhere from like i you know, oh i was o- to overestimate I mean, i'm these guessing things. i'm guessing i got no idea I, I just i doubt that he would he would get more than 20 million a year i think it would be around 15 to be honest but who knows
2: so um trade talks aside uh, I want to look ahead a little bit and we're, we're going to have a lot of episodes coming up about the second half of the season. And we've got some, uh, we're, we're trying to, uh, to procure some good guests for the show uh, for the second half and to, to gear up for the stretch run. I, what I want to ask you is something that I asked the guys during the pregame show. Um, and I don't think you were there. And I think it was today's pregame. These days are all running together. This week has been crazy. But, um, for the second half of the year, Alex, uh, 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 I want to ask you this. So the the standings in the East are so damn close, right? Like it, the, the teams separate four through 10 are within a half game, a game, whatever it is. Would you say that the Heat, if they finish four or they finish five, but they're still like this middling sub 500 team, like, do you consider that a success if you get to the finish line of the regular season as a four or a five seed and you make it there, but you're still kind of your record is, is this like sub 500 stuff or is really the true measure of success in the second half, them creating enough separation where they where they can get to three, four, five, six games above 500.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it would be ideal to create that separation. But no, I, I, you know, we on the I want to say the post game stream the other night, Ethan asked a similar question about but he 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 finished it off with up to this point. Has it been a success even with the circumstances grading on a scale? And I said no, because everybody I knew everybody else was going to say yes. So I just wanted to, you know, play the heel there and just go for the joke. But really, I just think they absolutely could have done better. There was you know, a handful, maybe more bad losses that they absolutely could have won. And, you know, most teams have games like that. This is not just the heat problem. So I feel like fans of other teams can say a, bunch, a lot of the same things for their own teams. But even still, um, there was a lot to, you know, I think be negative about until, you know, the past couple of weeks. And so I feel like if I had to grade their first half, it will be like a C plus. And but if you if you're talking about going through the end of the season and finishing four or five, I think that's a success. I think that's a success for sure. Because especially if you get four, you get that home court advantage seed. And honestly now we got to start thinking about the the standings in that part because it's like you need to keep yourself out of Brooklyn's bracket and keep them a, a, a team that you would see theoretically in the conference finals and not in the first or second round and I think that should be the most important thing cuz if I I'm just trying to think about it from Miami's end right cuz it's like if yeah. I'm the Heat brass I'm not looking at any other team in the east and and being scared of them I still stick with that That's true. except Brooklyn or at least like we don't want to see that team until you know the furthest we can and that's just kind of how I feel right now. Play the standing game once the, you know, once the the, season starts to finish a little bit. But as of right now, they just got to hold on and actually get up there because I still think they're hovering, hovering around six or seven. And like you said, four through ten, like, almost have the same exact amount of losses, which is pretty insane because usually you think of the four seed versus the ten seed, and there's supposed to be a big gap of quality of play. But it's just yeah. not this year.
2: Uh, I th- I really like what you say about Brooklyn and that, that being the one team that they need to avoid. I think if you inject a truth serum into anyone in the Heat organization, including the players, like they think and they know in their hearts they could beat Philly. And they could beat Milwaukee, and like you mentioned, playoff seedings. Um, I'm looking at the updated standings right now. The Heat are sixth currently at 518 and 18. So they would, if the playoffs started today, they would face off against the Milwaukee Bucks in the three six matchup.
1: Oh man, the Bucks! I think they would like that, that
2: matchup. Actually, it's like this is like getting to your point. Like they ain't scared of Boston, and they're not scared of Milwaukee and Philadelphia. Like as as well as they've played. Um, Brooklyn is creeping on a come up there for that one seed and um, all these other teams in the east Miami is not scared of like Brooklyn is the one team and I think a lot of it has to do with for me personally it's one obviously the top tier talent when you have three guys it's unbelievable but it's the Durant monster that's the part of it that like you start to get outclassed when you talk about having to figure out how to do something against Kevin Durant in a seven game series, those other guys, I think you can figure out ways to survive a James Harden, survive a Kyrie Irving. You don't survive slim Reaper. So like, that's the guy I'm trying to avoid and I'm with you there. Um, So, so I'll ask you this as you talk about avoiding in the standings, do you think Brooklyn gets all the way up to the number one seed which then would mean you would want to get into the 3-6 bracket, right? So that you stay out of yep. of, the, of Brooklyn's way. This is
1: going to get tricky here. Or 2-7. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're two right now. They're a half game behind the Sixers. So that's obviously a really fluid situation. The, the Bucks are not that far behind either team, uh, either the Nets or the Sixers. They're, they're third. So all of that is obviously going to be fluid. And I think this conversation apparently won't be relevant until like, you know, the end of the season when, because these teams, those three have clearly been the best this season as far as record wise and being consistently the winning teams in the East. And so I don't even know how you play that the standings game when they're that close, but I think that's going to be something we monitor towards the end of the season because it's again, like, one of these teams really stands out as as one that's going to be really, really, really tough in the playoffs. The others, to me, just don't even seem that close. Like, I understand the Sixers and Bucks are legitimately good teams, but when you're talking about, like, tr- translating the production from the best players into the playoffs, I'm not scared of Ben Simmons. I'm not scared yeah, of Tobias Harris. Same. We've seen their play go down before. We've seen what happens when teams focus their whole defense on Embiid, make him turn over the ball, make the other guys beat you. Even if they got better shooters, like, I think... That's still how I feel about them. And and the Bucs, we saw the game plan for how to beat them. And the Nets, I don't know what the game plan is. We haven't seen them in the playoffs yet. Like they, They're just going to be so offensively explosive that there's just no easy way for Miami to match up with them. Again, unless there's a theoretical world where Avery Bradley starts on Kyrie, but Avery Bradley has not been dependable this season. So it's like a, you know what I'm saying? There's no realistic way to match up with them other than having to go to the really creative defensive coverages which is why I keep highlighting all this stuff because it's like I want to see how Spo deals with players who he feels like are a problem one-on-one. And that's why I I like seeing the way he's thrown different defensive coverages I superstars. Cause I just don't know how, what type of coverage you're going to throw at the nets to throw yeah, them off.
2: It's it's a really good point. I mean, you almost, you're going to need 40 point BAM every night in that series. And you're also going to need, need bam to shut down KD. That's what I was just going to say. It's like, you, you talk about no ceiling and you talk about max player and you talk about, um, uh, increased responsibilities. That is the series where Bam out of bio will be given the most, uh, uh, on his plate no doubt but you're right like the standings talk right now i think is totally premature i just think it's something for us to watch for in the second half of the season as we talk about things we're looking ahead at i i like where you're going with that about um not avoiding brooklyn on some sucker stuff like more about like just strategic. if you can if you can conveniently find your way into the other bracket that would be good no tanking uh no tanking for sure um uh, I'm going to close here, and then we're going to sign off for tonight because how much can we really talk about a uh, New Orleans-Miami uh, game right before the All-Star break? Those guys are probably happy to get a few days off. Um, so are we. Because no, the heater basically – I don't think they're represented at all um, by any like participant at, at, the, at All-Star weekend, which is a conversation for another day. But I, I want to close here and get your thoughts on – with the East so damn close and the fact that the basically four through I'm looking here, four through 10 is, is a crap shoot. You're within two games of each other. Like, I, the more I sit with that, the more I think that that's going to spark movement, that like one of these teams that doesn't get into the playoffs often, whether it's like Chicago or Atlanta or whoever, or Washington keeps making a push and they're like, oh, like we can actually convince Bradley Beal to stay. Let's make a move. Like, I feel like it's going to Uh, Charlotte is having a special year maybe they say like let's go all in and do something big and go after a Vucevic in Orlando who's been sputtering lately so Alex I ask you this one do you think that the parody in the east will inspire movement or is it actually going to do the opposite and teams are going to kind of feel like you know we're in the thick of this we'll we'll find our way and two um, does that put added pressure on Miami to keep up if some of these teams that they're fighting with in the standings actually do take a big swing for a player like, you know, Vucevic in um, Orlando or one one of these other guys that can be traded from a uh, from a pretender to a, a playoff contender.
1: Man, in my mind, it absolutely puts pressure on those teams. Like, I'm looking at the standings, like you said, Chicago, uh, Charlotte, look at Chicago who's right there in the thick of things. They've been pretty good all year. Like Atlanta, we know since the you know, the preseason, that their owners have had expectations for them to make the playoffs this year, and that's why they fired Lloyd Pierce uh, from being the head coach. I mean, you look at the Knicks, maybe they want to make – I mean, they already traded for Derrick Rose uh, to try to bolster their rotation, make them a little That's a bit really better. good
2: one, though. That's a good one. They haven't been up there in a while. They're, like, dancing in the streets at 500 in New York City, so they may make a move.
1: You're right. And, like, it, it makes sense, but also, like you said – if there's so many teams in the thick of things, because like this playing tournament has made it so that, you know, even teams like, like you said, the Hawks, the wizards are 11 and 12. They're supposedly out of it. They're not far behind at all in the last column from these other teams that are in it. And like their records are not good. Like the wizards are 14 and 20. Like that is not, <laughs> you would think that because some of these other teams are so close to 500, they will be far apart, but they're just not. The wizards and the Atlanta Hawks are not far behind these other teams and they're 11 and 12. So, because so many teams are in the in the, you know, in the push for the playoffs, I wonder how many teams are actually going to be willing to make trades where they're selling off pieces to, put you know, potential rivals in the playoff race. So that's kind of annoying. But the Heat should feel the pressure regardless, because I don't think like these teams here that we're talking about should be what's making the Heat like play defense. It should be oh. We think that we're at the top of the conference. We we're with them. We're not with this four through ten group. But we we know that we're better than the standing. So that to me, these other teams shouldn't have a, you know, shouldn't have any influence on influence on how the Heat are thinking. I think they need to make a trade, period, to get back into the group with the elites. And so to me, the answer is make a trade, make a trade, regardless. <laughs>
2: No, I'm with you there. And and I guess where I was going with that is that you have more competition for maybe the guys that you're going to target, you know what for I mean? Sure, like, for sure. whereas the market may have been, you got a bunch of Western conference contenders that are trying to like shore up their rosters. And that's, who's picking off these Eastern conference teams. Cause like, to your point, like Cleveland, yeah, they're at 13 in the standings, but they're going to be sellers. Detroit sellers, Orlando might be sellers, but then you got like the Washington's and Atlanta's right above them that, like they would do anything to ma- to make the playoffs. Like that's just would be a huge accomplishment. So they're not going to be sellers. So it's just going to be interesting to see how that market shakes out and, uh, what kind of, um, competitive landscape it makes for Miami with the limited assets they have. So that's another thing to monitor. Um, all right. Uh, that was everything I had on my agenda to, to talk through for, uh, a recap of tonight's game. Again, the Heat one hundred three ninety three over the New Orleans Pelicans. Alex, you got anything you want to add before we close?
1: Not really. I feel like we we went through a lot. Uh, we got to congratulate the Heat for finally getting to five hundred. They're you know back in the sixth spot outside of the play the playing tournament range. I, by the way, you know you asked that question before about what would be a success or not success. We if the Heat get into the playing tournament, even as a seven seed. It's an unsuccessful Gross. season. I don't care how yeah. close they are Ugh. to the sixth seed, the fifth seed, the fourth seed. They cannot end up there in the playing tournament playing the likes of like the Bulls or something like that. That's embarrassing. You were just in the finals last year. No playing tournament. That, that That's my final statement.
2: There you go. No playing tournament. That is the expectation for the second half of the season. We have now identified it officially. Uh, thank you for listening. You'll have your regular host, Ethan Skolnick, back in the host chair. Uh, as we uh, dive into next week we'll unpack all-star weekend a little bit talk about the heat going forward and um, uh, it's not the long break as usual so the heat will be right back at it uh, beginning of next week and uh, you'll be hearing from us uh, Monday for your Monday morning drive thanks for listening bye
0: thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports Network.